Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, give us ears to hear You this morning and help us to act on what You say to us. In Your name we pray. Amen. Now you've all heard this. There are parts of the United States that people refer to as flyover country. Usually there are people from the coasts who think that the middle of the country is somewhat boring. And they talk about flying over that part of the country to more exotic places like California, Hawaii, New York, Florida. I have spent most of my life living in some of those flyover places. And, and no offense meant to anybody else who, like me, was born in the state of Illinois. It is perhaps the most boring state there is. Many a time when I've driven through, I wished I could fly over it. I wonder, are there parts of the Bible that are like that for you? Are there flyover books? Maybe Leviticus with all its priestly regulations, or, or the book of Numbers, with all its, well, numbers. Maybe the opening nine chapters of First Chronicles, because it's nine chapters of genealogies. What about the laments in Scripture? You know, there are a lot of them. A lot of Old Testament laments, a lot from the very beginning. Rebecca cries out, if this is the way, why should I live? Moses cries out, oh Lord, why have you mistreated the people? Gideon complains, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Did you know that 65 of 150 psalms are psalms of lament. There is one entire book called Lamentations in the Bible. And I heard this morning someone say Job is a flyover book for her. She didn't say it in exactly those words. But it is. Heart-wrenching questions get asked in laments. Why, God? Where are you? Is there any order? Is there any right, any good left? Why does this happen? Our collective response to that those section of scriptures, I'm willing to bet for most of us, is to fly over them, to skip the laments, 
to focus on the happy parts of the Bible, like Psalm 23 and the Lord is my shepherd. We'd rather talk about having a stiff upper lip. Keep your chin up. Cheer up. Think positive. Not Job, though. After his life falls apart, before the part that we read today, Job spent the next seven days in shock. He did not speak a word. And then in chapter 3, Job lets loose, breaks his silence with a massive shriek. Did you, did you hear the dark words he uses like grave and blackness and cloud and shadow and darkness and night? Five times in the third chapter, Job asks the question, why? Why did I not perish at birth? Why were there need to receive me? Why was I not hidden in the ground like a stillborn child? Why is light given to those in misery? Why is life given to a man? Then Job ends his lament with these words. What I feared has come upon me. What I dreaded has happened to me. I have no peace, no quietness. I have no rest, but only turmoil. Now we understand why Job laments. After chapters 1 and 2, his livelihood is in ruin, his property is gone, most of his servants are killed, his children are all dead. After chapter 2, which we didn't read, he, his health is broken, his body is ugly, covered in open sores, painful sores. In chapters 1 and 2, Job is the model of godliness patience. But in chapter 3, he lets it all hang out. He looks at all his hardship and hell, and this is the remarkable thing. He refuses to fly over it. And in that refusal, Job has a lot to teach us about how to lament about how to deal with sorrow. And the first thing we learn is you cope with sorrow by going through it. I wish I could tell you you can get around it. I wish I could tell you you could, you could tunnel underneath it or that you could fly over it. And perhaps you can try, but none of it is healthy. The only way to deal with sorrow is by going through it. I remember when my dad died and I was grieving or struggling with grief. My mom kept saying to Wayne, we've got to talk about it. We've got to get this out and look at it. And she was right. See, I'm not saying you'll get past all the sorrow. 
Some sorrows are deep enough that they're with you the rest of your life. I remember one of our, our music director at, at uh, Flower Mound when her mother died and she knew about my struggles with my dad's death and she said, Pastor, do you ever stop missing them? And I said, no. You just get used to it a little bit. But you always grieve them and miss them. It's tough going through it. It's why we'd rather fly over. It's why we'd rather grin and bear it. We'd rather pretend that everything is just fine because grief is messy and ugly and tough. But there's a price to pay for trying to deny it. There are things that have happened to us in life, and you can think of them in your life. Maybe it happened when you were a child, maybe when you were in school, maybe in your marriage. And you got stuck at that point. And in that area of life, you never grew past 14 or 25 or 32 because you never grieved it, never dealt with it. Wonder why we have anxieties and phobias and fears and low self-esteem is because we haven't learned to lament. We haven't learned how to walk through sorrow. Unresolved, unmourned grief causes a boatload of problems for people. So many are stuck in all kinds of bad behavior because they never grieved an alcoholic dad or an unloving mother or an abusive relationship or prejudice or bigotry. Instead, rather than actually feeling it, rather than actually grieving over it, actually going through the season of mourning, it just seems easier to us to put our heads down and ignore it. Doctors will tell you that a lot of our illnesses grow out of that. Out of not dealing with the sorrows in our life. The resentments. Resentment is the soil in which things like alcoholism and other addictions grow. Your aching back, your Sore neck can often be the result of things you bottled up inside. And we think that's being strong. But I want to tell you something this morning. God does not intend for us to bottle up our emotions inside. I want you to listen to our Lord's words. I know you were glad to hear the Beatitudes after that lesson from Job 3. But I want you to hear what Jesus says. Hear it clearly. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. It's not those who covered up. If I deny my pain, if I ignore my pain, if I pretend it doesn't exist, if I'm too afraid of my emotions, I forfeit God's comfort. Listen to Psalm 23. Even though I walk 
through the valley of the shadow of death. Folks, God calls us to walk through it. Not around it. Not tunnel underneath it. Not fly over it. How do you do that? Well, you may not know this, but there's a pattern to laments in Scripture. And we're going to use the word care. It's an acronym. And the C stands for complain. It's okay not to be okay. Sometimes you're not. Job in chapter 3 feels so low that he thinks death would be better than life. Why should I go on living if living involves such pain? Say it instead of denying it. The A is appeal. Appeal to what you know about who God is. Appeal to His attributes. He's almighty. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He's loving. He's faithful. He's gracious. Appeal to what you know about Him. And then comes the R. Remind Him of His promises. Remind Him of the truths of His Word. Remind Him of the 23rd Psalm and Psalm 91 and John 14 and John 11 and all the promises He made. He wants you to remind Him of His promises. He would not have made them if He didn't mean them. And then the E is express. Express faith in Him, in His wisdom. Express faith in the fact that even when you don't understand, He does. He knows what He's doing. There are laments all over Scripture that have those things in them. Complaining, appealing, reminding, expressing, going through sorrow. But there's another step that we learn. We survive sorrow by looking past it. In inviting you to lament, I'm not inviting you to wallow in your sadness. We go through it but we also look past it. We look past it to those things that God has promised. We look past it to Jesus. And I don't know if you know it, but Jesus knows how to lament. He complained. He appealed. He reminded His Father. He expressed His faith. All that, right? 
Listen to what the Bible says about Jesus. It says he lamented. This is from Hebrews. Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him. If, if you were to read his great lament from the cross, you would recognize that he's praying one of the Psalms. And I don't know if you realize it, but the Psalms are the prayer book of Jesus. And especially if you read his prayer in Psalm 22, you're going to hear the cross all over it. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Recognize his words. I cry out by day, but you do not answer by night and am not silent. I am a worm and not a man, scorned by men, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let the Lord rescue him. The very words from the cross. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted away within me. Dogs have surrounded me. A band of evil men has encircled me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. They divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. Why did he endure all that? Because he saw past it. Bible says, for the joy that was set before him, for the joy of your salvation, for the joy of your part in his family, for the joy of being able to give you heaven, he endured the cross, despising the shame. Look past your sorrow. And look to Jesus. In Him, you and I have this wonderful promise from Psalm 130. Weeping endures for a night. But joy comes in the morning. As your pastor, I really want to urge you to have the courage to deal with the things in your life that you've avoided. Because the only way is to go through them at some point. Refuse to fly over the pain. But also remember that joy comes in the morning. Because see, there was a Sunday morning when some women, hearts full of despair, tears in their eyes, went out to a tomb to finish the work of preparing their friend's body for the long sleep of death. But when they got there, the tomb was empty. The stone was rolled away. And angels sat there and announced to them the best news that has ever been announced. That Christ is alive. And in that moment, their despair became hope. Their tears 
turned to joy, their mourning turned into dancing. And it's there at the empty tomb that even our Lord's lament turns and our laments, all your sadnesses turn to a song of everlasting joy, everlasting victory, everlasting life. Go through it. Look past it. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life that is everlasting. Amen.